The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Brett Power, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Glad to be here, Rhett. Excited to talk a, a little bit more about our rankings. We did do our monthly update and had some pretty big shifts, some up or down, added a couple new faces. But Trav, you had a great point about this that I'll let you elaborate on. This is not an all-encompassing overreaction to 11 games of basketball, right? Exactly. Like you mentioned, we're we're just a month into the season, you know, 11 to 13 games in, depending upon uh, the team. And we don't want to overreact too much to that. And that's why we didn't do a full overhaul of our rankings. We'll do that. I'm assuming we'll do that sometime around the all-star break. We'll, we'll really break down, start fresh and, and come up with a new set of rankings that, that sort of reflect more how we feel. Um, but this was just kind of a more of just a rankings adjustment. Some of those guys that either started hot or, or, or a lot of those rookies, and we'll dive into it a little bit deeper, but mainly just some minor tinkering to our rankings uh, based on the, the first few weeks of the season here. It might actually be Christmas when I'm back in Indiana and we have nothing to do during our Christmas time <laughs> except sitting there with our phones out and our dynasty rankings pulled up. But, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So the first couple names are not going to be surprising at all because it's your John Morant's, your Miles Bridges's, 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 and DeJounte Murray, because of course. And all of these guys started off incredibly hot. Jaws cooled down a little bit, but DeJounte and Miles really haven't. And all these guys are just ascending in ways that we didn't really see coming into this season. Uh, I mean, obviously you had a feeling that uh, DeJounte Murray was going to have a great season. Uh, we, we kind of knew that going into the usage was going to go up for him, but man, we didn't really expect this from him. He's His offensive game just looks so much more improved. He's a little bit more confident in shooting from three. Um, and that goes for John Morant as well. That was kind of our biggest question mark on him is we knew he had the potential, um, but the his ranking and where he typically finishes every year just never match up. And this year he's, he's proving that um, he's becoming a little bit more of an efficient player, at least early on, and just looking a, like a little bit more well-rounded basketball player. For sure. I actually went through my text because I know that I gave you some prediction for what DeJounte would do this year, and I found it, and it was in the middle of August. I said I wouldn't be surprised if DeJounte ended up at 17-7-7 with like 1.5 to 1.7 steals and like a little bit over a three. And even I was too short on what he was going to do this year because he's just been absolutely incredible out here with 18 and a half, one and a half threes, eight boards, eight assists, 2.2 steals. And the efficiency really isn't even there yet from the field or from the line. So he's sitting at 16th right now on the year with room to go up as far as efficiency goes, and then room to go down as far as those counting stats and those steals, which might be driving that ranking. But yeah, Ja right now is at 26th overall, which is, awesome considering what he has done in the past as far as a fantasy player I imagine that it'll regress a little bit just because 1.7 steals I know we've talked about it before how he had an impressive steal rate in college and just hasn't been there in the NBA 
but I have a very hard time seeing him go from one steal to 1.7 steals while also maintaining so much of the scoring load that he's had to shoulder. And that doesn't even get into the fact of Dylan Brooks coming back and potentially taking shots like he did the first game back off the bench, put up like 17 shots. Yeah, he's the one that obviously out of out of the three guys mentioned, if who's going to finish the furthest back, he would be my choice. And I know he would be your choice as well, just because uh, he's never really had a top 100 season yet. So um, it's it's kind of neat to see him so far high up at 26, like you mentioned. And yeah, not only the steals being extremely high, but also his efficiency. Now, that's something that I do think he can definitely improve on. And that has some staying power. But I would be hard pressed for to see him shoot 48% the rest of the year. Now, I do like his free throw percentage, though, being uh, right around 78%. That's nice to see because he's a guy that gets to the foul line a lot. For sure. And the efficiency maybe can stay around the 47 mark, 46, 47. You know, last year he was at 45. Year before that, he was actually at 47.7% from the field. So, it's just a matter of whether or not that three ball is going to keep falling at the rate that it is, because he's just been impressive all the way across the board. And if you want to talk about efficiency and the potential for it dropping, look no further than miles bridges, because he has been like, it's absolutely incredible how his usage has gone up and he's gotten more efficient after that, which is just, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And Bridges made a huge jump, and we weren't sure if we made a, a big enough jump for him when we originally pushed him up. And I think we ended up pushing up him up a little bit farther here the past few days. But you know, almost 30, average thirty-five spots for both of us, which is huge. He's just tucked in there at thirty-nine inside our top forty, and I think it's warranted because, as you mentioned, that usage is up, and it has staying power. We always knew the type of athlete that Bridges is. He just had to figure out a way to put it all together. And for me, the, my, the biggest surprise to me are those stocks, averaging 1.7 steals and 0.8 blocks. The type of athlete that he is, he always had that ability to be a good defender. He was a really good defender at Michigan State. That was actually kind of his calling card coming out, um, what, that he could be a, a really good defender in the NBA, and we don't know how his offensive game would develop. Well, his offensive game is developing quite well, and the defense is starting to come along with it. So at least from a, a number standpoint. So that's really great to see. And I definitely think he has staying power inside the top 30 this year. He has started to be a little bit less efficient the last couple of games, the last four or so. He's shot under 40% every game. But before that, the first nine games of the season, he was at 49% with like 80-something from the line. So just very, very impressive stuff is coming from Miles Bridges. And it's even more impressive when you consider all the mouths that they have to feed there. Like they've had Kelly Oubre coming in and putting up shots. They've had Terry Rozier come back from injury. LaMelo Ball, we all know what he's doing. Gordon Hayward is healthy. P.J. Washington, the only one that isn't. But even when he was healthy, he wasn't playing that much. So it wasn't like there's a huge minutes load that Miles Bridges has stepped into to take a bunch of shots and to take a bunch of stuff. I agree, top 30 is very reasonable for Miles Bridges, and that gets into where we have him for for our dynasty rankings. And that's actually inside the top 40, which seems aggressive based on like a 10-game sample size we said we weren't going to overreact to. (laughs) But a lot of the stuff that he's doing is with a full lineup. And so we did just have four straight games of him shooting under 40%, like I said. But, I mean, if you look at some of the names he's ahead of, like – 
you would take Miles Bridges over Darius Garland or Jalen Green, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what you asked me this, you know, leading up to this week and kind of where we're going to place him. We, you know, we go through the ranks. Obviously, we see he's, you know, inside the top 20 right now. Obviously, we don't we don't think he's going to finish there. But when you have a 23-year-old that's doing what he's doing and who pretty comfortably could finish inside the top 50, I would feel really confident in saying that then I, I, I mean, I don't see how you can't keep him out of your top 40-ish range as far as dynasty rankings go when he's able to do that at just 23 years old with, like you mentioned, a lot of really good players alongside him that are somewhat injury prone. I've been talking to people all season about whether or not he can continue doing it and whether to be worried about PJ Washington, stuff like that. But like, we know Gordon Hayward is going to miss like 10 to 15 games this year. We, we just know it's going to happen. And so when that happens, these guys are going to step up and that stretch is going to be big for their overall ranking. I'm very, very impressed with what Miles Bridges was doing. We talked about it in our too cold, too hot episode to start this podcast. And the first article I wrote for Hoopball, he ended the year insanely, insanely well. And he's carried that over this year, which could not be better timing considering he's entering restricted free agency next summer. Yeah, great to see. Hopefully he can keep it up. All three of these guys, DeJunte, Ja, and Miles, uh, all warranted to move up in our rankings. And, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see what they can do the rest of the year. We don't think that they have a lot, like they're not going to be top 20, but their improvements are definitely warranted and, and they'll continue. They're all young guys. So uh, moving on, something that both of us were, were kind of a little bit more hesitant to move up. And that were some of these rookies, at least at the beginning of the year. Um, I know we kind of have a similar draft strategy as far as if you're doing a startup on, on rookies and a little bit more hesitant than most in taking them really high in a startup uh, top 100 type situations. And some of you are probably out there going to say that you told us so for like having these rookies incredibly high or taking Evan Mobley inside the top 25. And that's fine. But I think if you look at most rookies, our process holds true because they aren't all going to hit. And even the ones that do hit doesn't mean they're going to be good fantasy prospects because Jalen Green went 30-something in our 30-team league. Jalen Suggs also in the 30s. And so neither of them have been good. Obviously, that's more of a long-term for both of those guys. But the rookie class this year has been absolutely incredible. Singoon, Scotty Barnes, Mobley, Franz Wagner – Josh Giddy all have just been absolutely incredible. And we didn't even get to Cade Cunningham, who we haven't even seen play that much. Yeah, just as you mentioned, incredible rookie class. Uh, some some guys that haven't gotten the opportunity yet that are just extremely talented, you know, guys like Kaminga, Book Knight, who we haven't even really got to see yet. Uh, but the guys who have gotten playing time have absolutely taken advantage of it. Uh, and it's been great. And all these guys, it's warranted that we have to move them up in our rankings. And like you said, we, you know, we're a little bit more hesitant early on with these rookies. We don't want to get too excited about them and be taking them ahead of quality players. But uh, once we got to see them for a couple of weeks, uh, we, you know, there's nothing we can do. We got to move them up. Absolutely. And the thing is like guys like Kaminga were going inside the top 100. Well, maybe, but that's the thing with the rookie class is most more often than not, you and I are not going for the extremely long-term rebuild, which factors into our rankings because you know, I'm not going to swing on Jonathan Kaminga when I could just take Sadiq Bey. 
like I'm, that's just not going to be something that I do. And so that factors into our rankings with the direction that we typically go with our teams is not valuing that sort of a gamble very high. Is there a rookie that you, you've been most impressed with this year out of the group that we moved up uh, based on expectations coming in? I should say based on expectations, I don't think we were high enough on Mobley. And he, we had him second highest of everybody, but he's been insane. Like, yeah, he, the he best was player on the Cavs already. Yeah, without question. And especially on the defensive end, he's just been incredible. And he was one that was really difficult on where to put him. Even when we moved him up, it was like, man, he's he's better than Aiden. You know, he's, he's better than Miles Turner. J.J. Day has a ton of upside, but still just hasn't proven anything. Like, I, like we just kept picking all these guys out and having to move Mobley up, up, up. And eventually he just landed inside our top 30 and I, it's justified. And honestly, by the time this season is over with, he will probably be inside the second round for these 12 team drafts. He will probably be inside the top 25 because what he's doing is just ridiculous. Build around Evan Mobley. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> moving on to a couple more guys, one that you were very high on and one that I was very high on Tyler hero and Devin Vassell. Boy, I have never felt more vindicated than seeing what Devin Vassell is doing this year because I tried telling people at the end of these redrafts, like, hey, take Vassell with your last pick. Just wait. Just take him. Just it, it, It's pick 142. Just take Devin Vassell. I, it'll be fine. And right now, let me pull up what he's doing. He is only playing, I believe, 26 minutes a game. And Devin Vassell is currently 97th overall in nine cat on 25.8 minutes a game. This man is an incredible fantasy asset. He's an incredible dynasty asset. And I hope that you got him before this season started because he has nowhere to go but up. I love Vassell and I love how high you were on him last year. And he didn't really get the playing time that we thought he could potentially get on a Spurs team that's kind of heading in that rebuilding direction. Didn't phase me though. (laughs) And this year we're seeing it. I mean, he's coming off the bench, but he's getting consistent minutes off the bench and he's showing that potential that we had. And what was the comp that you had for? I think it was Robert Covington. I don't know. Maybe OG Ananobi a little bit in there. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. And he's already better than Robert Covington. So let's just, let's just continue to move him up. And that's why when we do comps, you got to give a high comp. I mean, you you can't just throw Robert Covington out there. You guys heard the player comp episode. If you didn't, go check it out and be sure to check out the article I have coming out. That'll show you the per 36 numbers so you don't have to listen to us talk to them or just go over to Basketball Reference and find them. But in 26 minutes a game, he's 12 points, 1.83s, four boards, 1.7 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.6 blocks on 45% and 67%, which will go up. He's, I could not say enough good things about him. Yeah, he's a really solid shooter. He is. His uh, free throws, he doesn't really shoot that many right now. So I think that's kind of what's swaying that that statistic right now. But 1.1 a game. So yeah, don't worry about that too much. But man, I just can't wait to see him enter that starting lineup. Hopefully, we get to see it the second half of the season, see what he can do alongside guys like Derek White and DeJunte Murray on a consistent basis. Tyler Hero, the other guy that I mentioned before we started, just giving Vassell all the flowers. Don't want to gloss over what Harrow's doing. Our sixth man of the year pick for in real life not so much for fantasy i don't think um or no you did pick him for fantasy didn't you i believe i did yeah nailed it all right little wager on him and yeah little fantasy bet on him too not biased but anyways tyler harrow is actually leading the team in usage 
he and Jimmy Butler are just about tied. And what he, I mean, we were unsure of what Harrow's fantasy game could be because he doesn't have stocks. And that's hold true because he has 0.3 steals this year and 0.0 blocks this year in 12 games of 33 minutes a game. I believe he has two steals the entire year, which is very not good, but on the other hand, he's also scoring over 20 points a game, almost three threes a game, five and a half boards, 3.8 assists with pretty decent percentages, 46 and 83. So I thought that this might have been a fluke to start the season. And we didn't believe the preseason as much just because it seemed like something that this team would not ask him to keep doing. It's like you have guys that go out and get buckets. Why would Tyler Harrow need to do this? But they're running so much offense through Tyler Harrow. And that's the main reason I was somewhat high on him coming in was if you look at that team and that starting lineup, and then you look what they have behind the starting lineup was just nothing. They have to rely on him. And honestly, the biggest thing that I was worried about as far as my sixth man of the year pick was just him starting too many games because, you know, as we saw Jimmy Butler goes down, he's in the starting lineup. Um, Somebody else goes down. He's probably going to get inserted that starting lineup, but he's been great as a shooter, as a scorer off the bench. Uh, kind of running that second unit as far as what they need on the offensive end. He'll never get stocks. So that's not something that you're hoping that he's going to improve at. Um, If he gets, you know, 0.5, 0.6 deals per game, you got to be pretty happy with that. The biggest thing for him as far as his overall ranking goes is can he keep that efficiency up? He's going to be able to do it from the free throw line. He's a great shooter, but can he continue to shoot over 45% like, you know, players like Bradley Beal can on high volume. If he can do that, he can consistently finish inside the top 100 year after year. And he's still pretty young. He, I believe he's only 22, maybe. Not he even will, 22 turn, he will turn 22 in January. Yeah. Yeah. So not even there yet. So uh, that'll be the biggest thing for him is can he continue to keep that efficiency up? Because it's, it's going to be a huge difference if he shoots 43% versus 46%. As, as small as that seems, it makes a huge difference as far as his value and his ranking goes especially on the volume because he's taking 18 shots a game. And if you keep that volume up, but drop that efficiency down, his ranking is going to follow. But last two guys we moved up in the rankings that we're incredibly excited for are the Orlando bigs, because I think both of us were extremely high on both of these players individually, but they kind of canceled each other out in the rankings because we didn't see any way that they would both end up being like legit fantasy assets on the same team. Well, they're playing together and they're not splitting the minutes like we thought because we thought it would be like 26, 22 minutes, 28 to 20 minutes. No, they're just playing together a bunch and they are both inside the top 100 right now. And Wendell Carter Jr. at 81 is awesome. Bamba is higher than that up at the 28 range because he's blocking 2.2 shots a game. And I mean, I feel great about these two bigs because I think people were kind of low on Woodlow Carter Jr. coming into this season or just disappointed with him and his Bulls tenure, I would say, just with the injuries and not great opportunity. And then Bamba's always been a permanent monster, just a matter of whether or not he was going to get them. He's getting 31 minutes a game and is absolutely taking it and running with it as far as fantasy goes. Yeah, who would have thought these two guys would be starting together come the, the beginning of the season? I know not we were both talking like, like you know, Wendell's probably going to start, but then Bamba's going to come in there. They're going to split time, 24, 25 minutes per game, and it's just going to kind of hurt each other's value. And it's the complete opposite. They're playing alongside each other. Um, they're playing really well. I mean, Bamba's averaging 1.6 
threes per game. Wendell's averaging 1.5 threes per game. So they're both stretching the four a little bit. Uh, it's been really impressive. And I'm, I'm really glad to see both of these guys uh, kind of fulfilling that potential that they each had. Uh, I know Wendell's the guy ranked further back, but we have him ahead of Bamba in the rankings. Uh, and the reason that is, is he's such a solid player and has made so much improvement this year. Uh, and he's just got a really safe, secure role with that contract. And I can't stress that enough. That contract was so big for him. Uh, securing and locking down that center spot for this team. Whereas Bamba, while he's been awesome and I love him as a player, he's still a little bit of unknown as far as his future goes. You say that Wendell Carter and Bamba have been playing well together. That is quite the understatement because the five-man lineup of Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., and Mo Bamba has the best net rating in the entire NBA, which is for a team that's bad and like knows they're bad and is trying to be bad, that's just utterly insane. I think you're right about Bamba and Wendell Carter's dynasty outlook. I feel like what Bamba's doing this year, someone should pay him and give him the opportunity to do this full time. Looking at you, Toronto Raptors, um, it just seems like he's doing enough to warrant getting enough opportunity. And it's going to be very interesting to see what Orlando does with this because they already extended Wendell Carter. So, like, are they going to keep Bamba around and keep trying to run this too big situation? I, as a Pacers fan, just please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just please don't. Just pick one and move on. Like, uh, it just hurts. It hurts so bad. And but now both bigs absolutely incredible. Wendell Carter Jr. has been just as solid as it gets. It's just weird to see how dependable he's been and pretty consistent he's been outside of the games where he's been either injured or had some foul trouble and just stuff like that. He's been very, very consistent. Yeah. And a potential maybe future one, one, one guy, if, if he's able to consistently hit the three ball um, I have, you know, no problem with him being able to get a block and potentially uh, get a steal moving forward. He is a really good defender. Maybe the stats aren't showing it right now, but um, he moves his feet really well and is always in the right spot. It seems like, uh, but yeah, I, I love Mo Bamba as well. I'm, it, I think we're going to take some slack having Wendell higher than Bamba in our rankings when Bamba is the player that's ranked inside the top 30 and Wendell's um, just doing good to be inside the top 80. But uh, those guys could definitely be flip-flopped when we do more of a, a larger breakdown of our rankings uh, later in the season. Mbamba's value, it's not coming entirely from blocks because he is an above-average rebounder and he's actually hitting an above-average amount of threes with good field goal percentage, but his best con contribution right now is his 2.2 blocks. So if that drops down, like if his minutes go down and Bamba ends up in the 25-minute range and he's only getting 1.7 blocks, then you're going to see his ranking jump way down, probably around that top 80 mark. And so then you're just taking a guess on who you think is going to have a bigger role moving forward. So, But I'll, in a, I'll ask you, in a startup, if, if we had to do a startup today, which big are you taking first? Oh, man. I'm. It's probably going to depend on what I think I need at that point. Obviously, if you really need blocks – then you're going to take Bamba. But if you maybe want more of like a Roto team, then Wendell Carter's got to be the pick because he's just going to get you a handful of assists. His steals are actually down this year from what I think he can do. He's at 0.5 and then 0.8 blocks. I, I think you're right about the one, one, one candidacy there, him and Bamba both. But I, I just think Wendell Carter is the more well-rounded player, even though Bamba has, has seemed like he 
fits better on a court for a team that actually might want to win. Cause that's always been kind of the thing is Bamba had a little bit of white side in him where he was just hunting those blocks and he didn't care what the heck happened before or after that. So it looks like he might be able to play winning basketball now. So that, that would change some things, but I still think I'd probably go window. Yeah. And, and as I mentioned, the, the future plays a big role uh, as far as where Bamba will go, what kind of role he'll have. Um, who knows if, you know, if he does sign with, with a team like Toronto, is Toronto going to give him 30 minutes? That doesn't seem to be the way that they run that team, at least as far as their bigs go. So you just never know as far as role goes. I like the fact that WCJ has a secure role, 28 to 30 minutes per game moving forward for the next four years. Absolutely. So now we're going to get into the negative part of this podcast where we move a bunch of guys down. A few should not be surprising at all. Kyrie has to move down. He's no longer inside the top 30. He's actually right inside the top 50, which is, we know what he can do, but like, it's just so tough to try and value him. TJ Warren, another guy who's tough to value because not only is he hurt and he doesn't have a clear timetable, they said that it's going to be weeks, not months in the most recent press conference with Rick Carlisle, but that's also been months and not weeks from when they <laughs> said that last time. So who the heck knows there? And then John Wall, it's very clear. He is just not going to play for the Houston Rockets this season. And so uh, it's tough to move Wall down because where we had him was about what he could contribute when he does play. But it's also like you just can't keep him inside the top 150 when he's not playing, like he will not play this year unless he agrees to a buyout. Yeah. All three of those guys, very tough to rank it. I mean, you could throw Victor Oladipo in there as well, but we were just, we were lower on Oladipo because we knew he was out. Um, some of these other guys was more of a surprise for them not playing whatsoever. Um, but yeah, John Wall taking a whole year off. I don't think that's good for him. I mean, he's done that in the past and came back fine last year, but if he ends up sitting out the entire season, which is very possible, uh, he'll be 32 going into the next year, and I don't, I don't really like that for a player of his age. You know where you have to take him potentially. You need him playing and, and contributing to your win now teams. Um, and then Kyrie, I mean, you mentioned it. He's just so incredibly good, and I, I hope he comes back and plays this year because he's such an exciting player to watch, and I, I, you know, I love watching him every night. But man, you just never know, and and what you have to invest to get him uh, is. I just couldn't do it. I can't put him anywhere near my top 30 uh, because of what you, I, I, you know, given that up, is he a second round pick for you? I not, not to me. And I would have a hard time even taking him in the third round in a 12 team startup. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to know, but a couple other guys that their value is just all over the place. It seems like, and that's Robert Covington and Chris Boucher Rocco. We know he starts off slow, but like, it's so tough to just write that off and just take it. Like you just take the bad Rocco with the good Rocco really inconsistent on a team that now has somebody like Larry Nance who should be playing, but isn't, I don't know what to make of that. And then Chris Boucher just literally is not playing for the Raptors. And I mean, even when we had him inside the top 100, it was still mostly about what he could do, not what he is likely to do because it was mostly about ceiling with him if he got the minutes, but he's not getting the minutes at all. Yeah, Rilko and Boucher, both more of a playing time concern than anything else. Uh, I've been really surprised that Nance hasn't been playing more, and I think that's something that they'll probably look at if they continue to play poorly. Uh, but, but Covington's just not taking the amount of shots 
that he normally does year in year out. I don't know if that's maybe because Norm Powell's there now full time, um, but his his field goals to me seem to be down a little bit, um, and he's just. I know, like you mentioned, he starts slow, so I don't want to overreact. And we didn't drop him too much, uh, but man, I just he just looks like a totally different player than he has in years past as far as his offensive game goes. And I know that's not where his value comes from, um, but it is a little bit. I mean, he does take a lot of shots from behind the arc and the minutes kind of scare me a bit right now this year. He's at 29 minutes a game. And like you said, you were never drafting Rocco for his points, but even still 6.8 points a game is just not what you want from somebody who's playing 29 minutes a game. He is getting 1.2 steals and 0.8 blocks, which those blocks will go up. We assume this because that's what Rocco does. But a guy like Boucher, I don't I, I feel like if you have Boucher, you have to hold him like you just you have to just hope because what is going to be out there on the wire? That's better than what Chris Boucher could be, even if it takes 15 games until somebody goes down with an injury and then he finally has a stretch of good play. But I don't really know what to make of what Toronto's doing with Boucher, especially now that a guy like Siakam has come back. Yeah, he's a definite hold, but as far as being inside the top 100, man, I just don't see how you can take him there with his inconsistent minutes and just kind of an unknown role. I believe his contract, he has uh, another gear after this on his contract, uh, but it just doesn't look great for him as far as his outlook long-term on that team. Um, his, he's going to have hot stretches where he might win you a week or two. Um, and then he's going to have stretches where he just only gets 12 minutes per game for that week. So it's, I don't like the way that they use him, but if you ever watch him play, it is somewhat warranted as far as the type of player he is on the court and how he fits with that group. Then we have three reserve players that we were kind of low on coming into the season a little bit but have just gone down just a little bit further now that we're actually into the season. Malik Beasley, we have never been big fans of Malik Beasley. We thought what he did last year was mostly a product of D'Angelo Russell being out and was completely unsustainable. Kyra Lewis seems like they've just got so many guards. Nas actually kind of coming into his own. Devontae Graham they just brought in. And then Gogo Batadze, they still have two bigs. That's really all you need to say there. Yeah, it's too bad for Kyra Lewis. I was one of the guys that was really high on him coming in out of the draft uh, when he came out of Alabama. And then we hear Lonzo getting moved to the bulls. And I thought, okay, here's some opportunity for Kyra then, but Nope, they immediately bring in uh, Devonte Graham. And as you mentioned, Naw has looked really good in his starting role as well, which just kind of leaves Kyra Lewis as the odd man out this year. He's actually seen less minutes this year than he got his rookie season. So that's not really a good trend. Uh, long-term, I, I still like his potential. He looks decent out there when he does get the opportunity as far as uh, numbers go, but uh, it just seems like he's a longer way off than we initially planned. And then Gogo, like I said, they do have both bigs. He's playing seven minutes a game right now. Most of those coming alongside DeMontis Sabonis or as the lone big when somebody like Miles Turner gets into foul trouble. He was always going to be a situation where it's like, if a big gets traded, then he should step up. But apparently they're just not going to trade a big. So it's just tough to have him up there. And we actually flip-flopped him with Isaiah Jackson because it seems like early in the season, or preseason at least, Isaiah Jackson was in the rotation ahead of Goga. He uh, Jackson is now hurt, so it's tough to say with those. If you've got him, just hold. You're not going to be able to get anything, so don't. Don't take this as any sort of actionable intelligence, but 
Last and certainly not least, we have a couple guys that we added to our dynasty rankings, Delano Banton and Jordan Nwora, because they deserve to be up here. Absolutely. Yeah, some guys that we we really didn't know much about, didn't think that they would uh, be getting this much playing time, at least early on. Uh, Delano Banton, a second round draft pick this season for the Toronto Raptors. And of course, he's playing and he looks pretty good out there. Six, nine guy that can uh, kind of like a guard, small forward, can handle the ball a little bit. I've only watched him play a couple times, but he looks really good. And you got to trust Toronto's track record of developing players with his type of skill set. Yeah, in this kind of, it's been interesting to see how they handle Malachi Flynn because I've been listening to some Raptors people. I've been talking to some Raptors people and it kind of seems like they think they know what Malachi Flynn is and they're just not really interested in seeing more of it at the moment. They're just kind of seeing what Banton can do, seeing obviously Scotty taking over a huge ball handling responsibility. OG's taking more of that. Fred's obviously going to be elite. So it seems like Flynn's getting the short end of the stick, which is funny considering we thought he would not get the short end of the stick after they didn't take Jalen Suggs at four. Yeah, we really thought he would play quite a bit off the bench, um, be the backup behind FEV, and and just show what he can do this year, and that has not been the case. He's been surpassed. And if you look at this team, it's not really great for him overall because they do have guys where when Fred Van Fleet is off the court, you know, a guy like Scotty Barnes can handle the ball, Siakam can handle the ball in the half court, OG's playmaking is going up, so... Uh, they don't necessarily have to have a true point guard on the court when Fred Van Fleet is out. And that's where we've seen Banton come in and play some really solid defense and handle the ball a little bit as well. So they don't necessarily have to be playing Flynn. And that's unfortunate for Flynn and his dynasty outlook long term. It's also very tough to know what a team like Toronto is going to actually end up doing. So we're kind of sitting here just waiting a little bit, but Those are the biggest ups and downs and additions we had to our Dynasty rankings for this month. If you have anybody that you're curious about, you want to hear us talk more about, please let us know on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. Be sure to follow the podcast at Punt Intended Pod, all one word, and then go over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. We're still at 27, so you guys haven't been telling your friends, which I know you want to have a leg up on them, but I know you also want to have a mailbag. So spread the word, get some words over there on iTunes. We really appreciate all of that. Be sure to check out my player comparison article over at hoop-ball.com that will be coming out shortly. Also listen to that podcast. We had a lot of fun with that one. Last and certainly not least, we just did a Minnesota Timberwolves podcast with Zach Noble of Ball is Life. We had a great conversation with him talking about the Wolves as one of the more interesting teams in the league. So go check out all of that stuff. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.